welcome to episode 230 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Birkbeck and I am your host through said podcast and happy new year everyone. We're back, we're rocking and rolling and yeah, it's been, well it hasn't been an overly busy cover period but I thought have a little rest after the albums of the year episode, get things back in the swing and we're yeah, we've got an awesome guest as always. Um, not a whole lot to report, as I said, just kind of really getting back into the swing of things. As we all know January is always a bit of a a dire month with things, but I uh, went to my first show of the year uh, last week when I saw the first reunion show of Casey. They they kicked off their their reunion tour in Bristol, which was really really cool. Um, lots of people very emotional that they're back. Um. They put on a killer show, and yeah, it was it was nice to be back at shows again. Um, we'll be rolling through a few more in the next couple of weeks, which I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot about. But yeah, that's kind of all I've got to say for the moment. Got as always, got guests lined up. Still focusing on the UK people at the moment, which I'm really happy with. I, I, I think I need to stick with this. Shine more of a light on the UK bands, obviously. Not going to discard anyone else, but it's it's nice to be chatting about UK music and UK hardcore in particular as well. Um, speaking of which, we've got this week's guest, uh, and it's guitarist of metallic hardcore band Guilt Trip, uh, Jack Madden. Uh, this was a really cool chat. It was really nice to to speak to Jack. Uh, Guilt Trip are definitely a band who are on the up and. It, this was really interesting because it was cool to find out that, that Guilt Trip was kind of Jack's first band and they're obviously doing bits, sort of being really successful at the moment. Um, we talk about obviously how their relationship with Malevolence has kind of led to where they are now in terms of the new uh, record deal that they've just signed and so much more in between it. Um, brief caveat, you may notice sound is not the usual standard I would have liked. Uh, my microphone broke literally the day before recording this and I didn't have time or money to get a new one. So unfortunately I had to do, do it through my laptop mic. So the sound quality isn't the best. As you can probably hear, I'm doing this through my work headset. So this is probably going to sound shite. So apologies. Second caveat because I haven't done this in a couple of weeks and I'm a fucking idiot, I forgot to start recording Jack's uh, channel. So the first literally minute of the conversation, you can't hear Jack. I do apologise. But it kicks straight back in and we have a wonderful, wonderful chat. So please sit back, enjoy the Jack, the Jack I have with chat, chat I have with Jack, and I will see you on the other side. Yeah, yeah, will do. Thank you for for taking the time out your your evening to have a little chat with me. Really appreciate it. Um, I kind of guess kind of like just jumping straight in, like where where we're at, and then I'll kind of like work my way backwards, sort of thing. But obviously, like new track dropped. Obviously, really good reception of of where it's kind of gone. But like from the inside of the band, how has it kind of been to like have new music out there and see how people are reacting to it?
EP last year. Um, it was right at the end of last year, so in November we dropped Rain City, and it was like we feel like we kind of messed that up a bit. Okay. So we've been we've been sort of like trying to get this one right. We didn't we didn't we didn't mess it up, mess it up, but it was like um it was a concept DP. We didn't mark it as a concept DP. <laughs> right. And um I don't think I I think then obviously people didn't really understand it then because it didn't sound like typical guilt trip. People thought we were like completely changing our sound and stuff, mm. and it was more like a just a lockdown project really. So yeah. it's been really nice to um to get back to our ways and uh getting more energetic music out there that we've been been working on and it's been a really good really good reaction from mm. what we've seen. Yeah. Um and I want to kind of dig into the the Rain City EP in, in a little bit, but obviously like you kind of said then obviously like from your perspective like not that you, as you say, not that like you messed it up and you kind of dropped the ball on it, but it was kind of a, I guess, a departure sort of thing. So I guess obviously because yeah. we've so far we've only heard like the one track that's going to be coming out of the new record. So is the stuff that we're going to be expecting? Is it going to be that more kind of like punch in the face, high energy sort of stuff that, yeah. that we'd kind of had from from River of Lies sort of stuff? Yeah, um, there's going to be a big mix on there definitely we've already we've already got some curveballs that were that are already written and ready um so it's definitely not going to be like river lies or rain city where it's river lies was kind of just 100 percent pedal to the floor for 10 tracks kind of thing um it's definitely going to have some some like like I say, curveballs, nothing like crazy. Mm. Um, but we're definitely exploring a few different uh, lanes with the music. Um, we're just trying to trying to make sure we we don't get seven tracks in and then drop the ball or anything. And yeah, so far we I feel like we're writing the best material we've ever done, and we kind of we we kind of had a vision for this one going into it. And um, rather than just going in, getting a few tracks in, and then you're like, right, we need to we need to think of some riffs, blah blah blah. It's it's been a lot more thought out. Mm. Like obviously we do meet up and we we go through riffs and stuff, but it's it's sort of going to tell a story the album, but not so much as Rain City did, where it's a concept right, DPR album. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be a bit of a mix between our old stuff, new stuff. And just all the best bits we think. That's cool. I know it, so- it sounds really vi- like vague, and <laughs> it's hard to sort of put into words what uh, what we're going for with it. We, we basically want to write a really good metal record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, how I kind of also like to kind of get this the ball rolling on the show is I always like to take my guests sort of like back to their roots and their origins, yeah. so to say. So. What kind of like first got you into like alternative music? What was your gateway into into the world? Um, it was definitely my guitar teacher when I was, I think I was probably fourteen by this point. Um, we I was having lessons in like uh, private lessons in a house, and there was a couple of different tutors in there. So there was a guy upstairs, and then 
Mick Johns. Shout out Mick Johns that was teaching me downstairs. And he was kind of more like a classic, classic rock, sort of straight up, just sort of guitar, um, guitar, guitar player, like just yeah. as they come. And um, I heard Danny upstairs, which was more, it's more of a metal guy and he was teaching. And um, I could hear his music upstairs every now and again. It was like, oh, it's Metallica and stuff like that. And um, I just ended up, meeting i met a couple of the lads that he were teaching at like one of the jam nights that they used to put a jam night on every month where the students would go and like um play some covers with with the tutors band and then would do like little little jams where we do solos over backing tracks a couple of different um students together and i ended up meeting a couple of the lads there and they did like metallica covers and stuff and i was like oh like the solos and everything was well cooler than what mm. I was doing. And that's kind of what got me into it. And I think I just went home, got on YouTube and discovered Metallica. And that I'd say Metallica were the start of that, really. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, that was kind of I like before that, then were you kind of I, obviously something drew you to the guitar in the first place. So what was kind of was it just like kind of more, I guess, yeah, like radio rock sort of stuff that kind of got you learning guitar in the first place. Um, the the reason I picked it up was um, my sister was listening to like the Kooks and um, Razorlight, um, probably uh, the Killers and stuff like yeah. that. And it was it was when I was like I think I was about ten or eleven that I first heard of pl- playing that. Um, and I think it was the first thing that pricked my ears when I was a kid that I thought, oh, I actually like this. Because mm. up until then, I don't really remember other than being in like the car with my mum or dad and they just have the the records on the, the tapes. And that was the first thing that sort of like made me want to go and listen to music on my own out of choice rather than it just being on. So it was like the kooks and stuff got into them and then I got into like Kasabian and... um kaiser chiefs and then that's when i wanted to learn guitar and i suppose yeah. it's because it's just guitar driven music really. so i proper wanted to play and um, my mum and dad were really hesitant at the time because i was one of them kids that would like have a different hobby every week <laughs> yeah. get quite quite obsessed with something but it wouldn't really last and i was like begging them to get me a guitar for christmas and eventually they caved and got me like a like a Fender Squire, like from Argos, with like a little shitty amp with it, and they just said, "If you, if you know, if you, if you do it and you do it properly, we'll, we'll get you a new one next year." And I did, and ever since then, I, I suppose I just got obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah. So then, kind of like spitballing from like Metallica and things like that, was it? Were you? being introduced to other bands were you seeking other bands out how did your kind of journey to like find heavier stuff go from it i I didn't really um have any mates in school that were listening to heavier stuff like metallica i was in quite a quite a tight-knit group um so i was listening to it on my own for quite a while and um then one of my mates ben was was sort of getting into that because his dad's like a massive rocker and um, big metalhead. So then we ended up like going to a couple gigs together. We went to uh, 
Nickelback and Stained, my nice. first ever first ever gig I went to it was. Um I think we were like 12 or something. And then after that, his his dad were getting us into more music. Um and then it sort of lay dormant for years and years and years, just listening to it on my own, weren't in a band or anything. And then my best friend, Jay, who's the vocalist of Guilt Trip. Yeah been best mates since reception but we would split off schools we went to different schools for a while then we rejoined in secondary school and i didn't really know but he was listening to a bit of metal as well and then he started getting into a day to remember and stick to your guns and slip not and then that's how i discovered like the heavier side of of that mm. that genre and um we were just at his house and he put it on and I was like, what the hell is this? Like yeah, yeah. screaming and stuff. I'd never heard it before. And um, he just kept playing it because he liked it. And then after so long, because I was with him all the time and just, I sort of had to get into it. And <laughs> and then eventually he just, it clicks on it. Like, actually this is well sick. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and that's when we started the band. Like he, he's never played anything. And uh, he just said, I'm going to learn to do this. I'm going to learn to scream. And I was like, yeah, if you do, let's start a band. So yeah. we did. Yeah. So in terms of like, I guess you'd sort of like discovering like other bands and stuff then, was it like Jay was kind of more putting you on to stuff then? Or were you like, because obviously as a guitar player, like you're being influenced by what you're hearing. So were you actively seeking out stuff or was it more Jay saying, oh, check out X, Y, and Z band? Yeah, I think I think it were more Jay, definitely early days, um, telling me to listen. It, it, it definitely started off with a day to remember and stick to your guns. They had, I'm, I'm pretty sure it were them two bands and I went away, got into them. And then I think just from like going through YouTube and getting like suggested videos at the mm. side, back when it was literally like suggested videos rather than just sponsored ones or, <laughs> yeah. or whatever, when it was literally like videos similar, just got into a few other bands. And then um, I think we got into more local bands then from that by coming across some bands when we went to download 2013, mm. we came across like a uh, brutality will prevail. So this was like our, our first sort of hardcore show really even though it was at download it was the first time we'd ever seen like what the pit was like yeah so then i think we went away and got into them and then again because of like youtube and the algorithms we got into like even smaller bands around around the time and we were listening to like desolated broken teeth and then that's when we started going to proper hardcore shows mm. in, in our local local scene um so it was it was definitely more jay that was pushing me to listen to certain stuff and then i, I suppose after that it was a bit of both where i'd be like oh have you checked these out and he, he probably had already but it was definitely down to him i'd say mm. and because obviously you like mentioned there like obviously going to to sort of download and seeing like bwp yeah. and, and things like that and obviously like you mentioned obviously your first, your very first show was was um, Nickelback and Stained and yeah. Download. Be they're, they're quite like bigger shows. Definitely. So did you like? Did you know that 
there was like this underground Manchester scene or was it not until you'd kind of like hit that sort of like BWP broken teeth sort of like barrier and then that kind of opened that world to you? Yeah, uh, I I weren't really aware of um, any sort of local scenes at all because like you say, the first gig being a nickel back at an arena with like 20,000 people that I didn't really understand at that time that bands have gone from playing pubs to then venues mm. to then like bigger venues up and then supporting bands. I didn't really know how it worked because I was <clears throat> sort of just in the deep end with it. So when we did start going to the shows, it was like we were aware that by this point that the, the shows weren't going to be huge. Mm because we'd seen like YouTube live videos and like we were following the bands on, on Facebook and stuff. And we'd saw yeah. pictures of their shows, but <clears throat> it would definitely like a lot different when we got through the doors than we thought. Cause it was like pay on the door in cash. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was just not really bothered. The shows weren't really selling out. Um, you'd go in there. No, I'm really checking your bags because it's obviously just like a small pub style venue and it was just kind of like loads of friends together mm. which we weren't we weren't really aware of it at the time and then obviously the the bands kick off and the pits were like something we'd never seen before and it was like you had that fear as well in the back <laughs> yeah. of your mind like holy shit we we might actually leave here with broken noses and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I think that that's why we kept going back. It's like, it's a bit of a rush, really. Yeah, yeah, but 100%. Yeah. And then, so, so like from there, because obviously, like, as you say, you're going to, to these these smaller shows now and, and you're kind of seeing, like, that, that kind of energy and things like that. But was there a particular show that you can remember that, like, when you went to and you were like, Oh shit! This is something that we could do, kind of thing. Um, yeah, I'd I'd probably say we went. Which one would it be? That there were quite a few around the time. I, yeah. So when I started, um, we didn't start gigging till we were like eighteen, I think. Yeah. So it was probably twenty fourteen, something like that. We. I just started at college and um, one of our, our friends, which is our the bassist in, in Guilt Trip now, at the time he was in another band and I went to watch his band because they were doing like um, like a, a four band bill one mm. night after college. It was in a, a venue in Manchester and I went, I went there and I was, I was like, I can't believe you've got a gig in this venue. And it was like, yeah, yeah. It was like, 200 people there or something so to me it was like quite a big thing because i'd never never gigged before and now i knew about the local scene and stuff so i was like you know asking him like how did you manage it and how, how have you done this and that and i remember him telling me about it and watching him play and then i think that's when it clicked like we you know we can actually do this mm. if we if we just get hold of a couple of people and uh get some gigs booked, get some songs out there, we can do it. And it weren't long after we did start playing, but I think that was the one where it was seeing someone I knew playing a, a, a good show and the crowd being involved and they had a music video out and stuff. And I, to me, it was like only massive bands 
yeah, did all yeah. that at the time, and I, I was pretty, pretty like sheltered from from it all. So I didn't really understand any of it, and I think that's when it clicked. Like it's actually doable if we just simply do it. it there's nothing in the way of it. So yeah, yeah, that, that'd be the gig. I'd say yeah. And so you you mentioned earlier, so obviously you and Jay being like friends and and sort of sharing that kind of love of of the alternative music and sort of sharing bands and things like that and obviously having the conversation so but before that had you like been in any other bands or is guilt trip first band and it's just off to the races kind of thing um i i, I did a couple of little tiny things jay's never been in a band before but i did like um a little six farm band before i went college it was like um just like an indie band because I was still into that music. I still am. Um, it was more like we just did a couple covers, played two gigs. It was just more like a a bit of a laugh, something yeah. to do really. And then after that, I joined. I was in a hardcore band just before Guilt Trip with uh, our first drummer, uh, Liam. We did like, we never gigged in it or anything. We just started writing um, the drummer of Guilt Trip's first drummer Liam that was in the band with me he was actually the vocalist and um, we just started practicing we, we'd never found members for it or anything and that's mm. when that's when we said like do you want to join Guilt Trip because I already had this thing going with Jay yeah. in Guilt Trip we needed a drummer and then we kind of just joined forces we never used the songs from the, the previous band but so I had a tiny bit of experience, two gigs under my belt and, <laughs> and like a couple of badly written songs. But yeah, Guilt Trips, I'd, I'd say in short, Guilt Trips, my my only, first and only ever band. Really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it, like, and I think like that's happening more and more because I've done various like interviews where I've spoken to people and they've had it where, They've done the the shitty band and they've done whatever, and then they get the lucky break and it, off it goes. Yeah, but I don't know whether it's the way that people are consuming music now is changing, or the way that bands are like I hate to use this phrase, but like marketing themselves and things that's making that more accessible. But there is there does seem to be that more kind of like lightning in a bottle moment yeah. for musicians nowadays so yeah i don't know what the formula is but it seems like think, um, it, it's 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 gotta be so it, the the age room with social media aren't it? And yeah if you can get if you can get something out there that just goes viral or it just fills that gap or you you get some sort of really good press or i think another thing is there's not many badly produced records anymore and demos. Yeah, like I think that definitely helps kickstart. Obviously, I still believe in like getting your demo and like going from the bottom DIY, like like we have done. But I can't blame someone if I started a band now. If say Guilt Trip just wasn't a band now and tomorrow I had a clean slate, I'd I'd probably want it produced properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that might be part of it. And I suppose more and more people in the industry are more accessible and there's probably someone you know that knows someone that can just give you an hand and 
and give you that little push. I suppose mm. it's easier to find people's emails nowadays. And I don't even know how they would have done it. Like before this generation, yeah, how you yeah. even, like get hold of anybody. And I think that's the thing. I think you hit the, the nail on the head is that like, I, th- I think when I was younger and like, I'm by no means musically talented whatsoever, yeah. but like, I remember kind of like having the pipe dream of, of being in like a hardcore band and doing all this, blah, blah, blah. But like thinking it was so unobtainable because like obviously my, for, for my generation, our like intro to to music was like reading it in Kerrang, like, like the physical like magazine and stuff like that. And yeah. Like, it was like, how the hell did you get in that? But like, as you say, nowadays, like you're probably like two steps removed from somebody knowing someone that writes yeah. for them and things like that. And it's just like those making those connections has, has become a lot easier nowadays. Yeah. I think that's right. That is very true. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit gutted that like, I just miss that sort of like buying Kerrang that I got into every music just a bit too late to be yeah. one of them kids that buy every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then obviously when you come in round to kind of actually starting Guild Trip, obviously as you say, you're you're kind of already like embedded within that hardcore world. You're you're sort of seeing like the DIY side of it and things. So in its like embryonic stages, what were you kind of like wanting Guild Trip to sound like? And was it anything near like what we hear nowadays, or was it like completely far removed? Um it, it was very like uh, we wanted to sound like the ghost inside, um, like a lot more melodic. Okay, cool. Um, Jay's vocals at the time were a lot, a lot deeper. Mm. Um, his styles completely changed now, but yeah, we we sounded, we sounded a lot more like the metalcore side of it, um, like ghost inside a bit of like a Casey strain, I'd say as well. It was a bit like that. It was right, okay, like really low low vocals with like sludgy guitars but then we had some like melodic bits as well um mm. a bit like uh stick to your guns stuff later stuff um and then while she sleeps were a big influence as well at the time so it was a bit all over the place really and um Luckily, that none of that music's like online anywhere anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first single we released. We was like, we put it out on Bandcamp or wherever it were, and we were like expecting like something to happen. Do you know what I mean? And I think yeah, yeah. in like two months it had like twenty listens or something. And we were like, right, shit, what do we do? And uh, yeah, yeah. I guess we just kept going and got some some little local gigs but yeah it's it's nothing like what it is now it's just so so different yeah and then i guess like that kind of as you say like that kind of like learning curve and and things like that because as you say like okay you'd been in a little like indie band before but this was kind of like your first sort of foray into i guess quote unquote taking it seriously sort of thing yeah like i don't know like i don't know from from those like early stages like i don't want to say like you you had a 10-year plan and all this sort of thing but like i don't know like did you kind of think like what was what was the initial goal of like starting guild trip was it just to kind of like 
play local shows or did you kind of have bigger dreams for um yeah <clears throat> we definitely did the, the the end goal was to play a download fest one day oh, okay cool which is, which is like that was always my my goal with it like if we if we're in a heavy band if we get good enough one day to play a download fest and obviously like at that time as a hardcore band it was it was quite uncommon like we yeah. just sin brutality will prevail there which obviously every year there's a there's a couple of hardcore bands on our bands from our world in the more diy scene but it's it's obviously only a couple so to get to that point with it's something massive for us and we knew we knew that goal was like crazy really it was like mm. shooting for the stars but yeah yeah that's always been my goal and I, I'm not sure about Jay but obviously if that happens one day then there'll be there'll be one after that but it will be a really nice moment and I think playing Bloodstock last year was it felt as good as that do you know what I mean it, yeah yeah like I, we probably weren't even aware of festivals like Bloodstock and things when we were first starting starting the band mm. but we've been like aware of bloodstock for many years now and to play that was a privilege and i think to get that feeling again if we ever play download would be amazing so it's 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 been it's been one of them where it's like we knew that was ridiculous but it was still like a little a little dream there yeah um, yeah and but that's the thing like, yeah, as I you say obviously now it's possible oh yeah that's the thing obviously like now playing like bloodstock and i want to talk to you a, a little bit about um outbreak as well but like play like playing those like bigger shows yeah. now obviously it's it's not too far away it yeah be, it's potentially obtainable yeah that's it it's like um at the time we, we you set the goal what you think really in the back of your mind like nah that's crazy but let's we can dream it's a dream more than a goal yeah, yeah. and uh We've 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 definitely achieved a lot more than we realistically thought we would. Um, obviously, it's become mm. more realistic over the years because you know you feel like you get better as a band. You do start growing and you meet you meet people that can help you out and stuff. But looking back from the day we started, I'd, if I could say to that them lads now that like what we'd done already, I'd I'd have been well happy with that. Um, yeah, just in yeah. general, even if the band was like had, had peaked at that, I'd I'd have been like really, really happy, you know, to say we've travelled to a lot of places and played a lot of festivals that that we've been to in the past as like fans and stuff mm. and managed to play them. It's I'd I'd say I'd be really happy with where we where we're at, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um and just before we kind of move on, just because you've mentioned them a couple of times you're saying about like the earlier influences of like yeah. guns and stuff. Did you catch them on the on the last tour they did at all? I didn't. We really wanted to go because landmarks were with them, weren't they? Um, yeah, and we love yeah. landmarks. Um, I can't remember. We were doing something. We were away somewhere or something, and we couldn't go because we were going to go to the Leeds one. At, was it Key Club Day? Was that? I think. I think so. I, I can't think, remember. I think, now. but yeah, we we were gutted. We couldn't go, but yeah. We didn't catch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it would have been like a serendipitous moment of like full circle. Yeah, well, we were supposed to play two gigs. We, they were supposed to play the Outbreak pre-show and they were supposed to play Fight Fest in Czech Republic we played, but sadly they, 
they didn't come over for the tour at all. So we were a bit gutted, but we'll, I'm sure they'll yeah. be around. Yeah. Um. So then, obviously, if if we kind of move to where, like, obviously, Guild Trip sounds like has changed and progressed, and obviously. I guess starting to move on to the path of of what we kind of hear yeah. now, um, and obviously like I ahead of this, I've, I asked you to kind of like say like what your influences were, and, and you've kind of said like as a band, like everyone kind of brings like these yeah. separate ideas and passions and, and things to it. So I guess as the band grew, like was it just a case of like what you were listening to, like as individuals changed, and that kind of then influenced guilt trip sounds. And as you say, like people having different passions in life and that bringing in, was it all just kind of like a natural melting pot and it kind of all fed into the band? Yeah, I think so. And I think you can probably see that throughout like the timescale of releases because Unrelenting Force, the first proper release, we was all like well into our thrashy stuff at that point. Mm. That's a lot more thrashy. And then River of Lies was like the time where beat down and stuff got a bit of, a, of a, like a revival, like Not Loose were just getting getting huge and we were all like listening to that. And I think it just came across with the writing subconsciously. We were like playing beatdowns when we wouldn't normally. And, <laughs> yeah. and then Rain City, that's got like loads of different stuff because it was like a, a lockdown record. We weren't meeting up to write it and it was all like people just sending in little demos and we just stuck it all together pretty much. And Tom did quite a lot of the writing, our drummer. It was his first first sort of like release where he'd done writing on with Guilt Trip. Um mm. in terms of like riffs as well. Um and he he's like a big a big fan of like Gajera and stuff and there's a few little bits in there that, are, that remind me of Gajera and then I weren't really listening to much in lockdown other than um, I was listening to like Vane and then other than mm. Vane I was listening to more just like mellow music because I, I was still working a delivery job at the time and it was like yeah, I think every, the world was just like when I look back now it was like it was just so quiet outside because yeah. <laughs> yeah. there was no one on the roads and it was really sunny and I, was, I just had like chilled out music on all the time and i think it shows with yeah, that record yeah. with it's it's so all over the place but with a new one i feel like i feel like we're going to hit the nail on the head with this one i've got a good feeling about about what we've come up with so far and a mm. lot of like machine head influence and um machine head slipknot and there's there's a lot of lot of stuff in there and then some some more of the hardcore side of things some old school stuff and we're just trying to sort of bring back a, an old sound with it really an old like yeah. early machine head like and i feel like people might resonate with it because it's seems to be on like a bit of a revival doesn't it metal mm, in general i think it's just on, a, on on the up same with like emo and stuff it's just going crazy yeah which is like because i'm i'm a few years older than you and it for, to me it's kind of like it's quite strange because obviously like that stuff was what i like grew up yeah. with and then to see like the next generation of like musicians now playing that stuff again like or like like the 2023 iteration yeah. of that sound it's like 
it's bizarre but at the same time like really fucking cool yeah definitely because like i like if you said to me like teenage like teenage me oh in like 10 15 years there's going to be a bunch of bands that are taking influence from like davidian style machine yeah. head or like even like bands like fucking soul yeah exactly but crashing that together with a bit of hate breed I would have gone that nah, fuck off, but it somehow yeah, is here. I think, it's, I think it's the future of it, like just bringing back that, just the the sludgy chugging with like the harmonics and like guitar solos and just sort of like aggression. And I think I think we're missing missing a bit of it now. Like you look back at it and think like, wow, I wish I grew up with with that coming out on like vinyl yeah. and you'd buy it on vinyl and just looking back at the old machine head sets and stuff like that like just look wild and lama god and stuff like that i think mm. i think it will come back a little bit and like i said emo yeah, emo's like really coming back and i think with with things like stranger things putting metallica on and stuff's really helping mm. like kids get into like alternate music and it's not like something they're going to be like bullied for at school for like wearing a metallica yeah. t-shirt people actually think it's dead cool yeah mm. i think it, like i think that's another thing that kind of what we were talking about earlier with like the age of social media and stuff and you say like stranger things being uh sort of in as well but like again this is me being like old man a little bit, but because I don't fucking have a clue how yeah. it works. But like, but things like TikTok, oh like, yeah, I know that that's like a huge platform that like is introducing kids to new music. Like there, there's like, I remember speaking to a friend in America, and they were like, "No, like hardcore TikTok." Yeah, is it really is. Where, like, yeah, where is it? Where is introducing people to new bands? Yeah. And that's fucking cool. Like, it may seem a bit cringe to someone like me in my 30s but if it's introducing like a teenager to like i don't know your tsunamis your your malevolences your whoever's then all power that's it yeah and i think there's like a bit of a warped um view on like stuff like that and how people get into music or like like you say tiktok people think it's like cringe and that and i think at the end of the day like if this scene's growing and it, it's it's all for the greater good, really, isn't it? As you know, as long yeah. as like it's not just full of absolute idiots at a show or something. But I'm sure it wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. because you, you come into it quite humble, don't you? And you you are quite shocked when you go to a gig. Like, wow, it take, takes you a bit of courage to sort of like jump on the stage and throw yourself off it. And yeah, it's not yeah. a scene where people would come in and take over it. Like people don't really need to worry about that. And I think if it's growing, then the bands are growing with it. And it's just a win-win for everybody. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I just want to kind of backpedal a little bit, just because obviously in terms of like where sort of Guilt Trip side, as you say, like the, the first kind of like proper release was Unrelenting Force. Then we have River of yeah. Lies. And then obviously Rain City. And now we're kind of hearing the newer stuff. And obviously... Even though, like, sonically things have changed as well, and like, gra- basically, what I want to talk about is kind of the imagery, and like, even though, like, graphically things have changed, yeah. there's there's still kind of like an identity to 
everything that you put out and like even that that stretches to like merch and stuff as well like as soon as you see a thing like you you know it's a like you recognize the guilt yeah. logo and whatever the design is to go with that it's like oh okay that's guilt trip like i know who that is yeah. sort of thing so was that very much like a conscious thing of like when you were putting things together that you wanted like the music to match what the visuals were and so on and so yeah forth? um i'd say i'd say it probably weren't so much at the beginning um because like unrelenting force we our merch probably weren't like the best around that time the the artwork's amazing though it's still my favorite favorite we've done well obviously we didn't do it <laughs> and Dragusikov did it but um i think we always said like let's not cut any corners with with anything like from from the music before Unrelenting Force that we deleted and just tried to remove from the world. Um, yeah. From that point onwards, we were like, right, no corners cut. And that's when we got like decent production, really good artwork, started getting better merch. And then I, mm. over the past couple of years, the merch side, the lads have just put the trust in me with it now instead of us like, going through loads of designs I've come up with and then editing them and they've just said like just go for it and I, I suppose they've just put all the trust in me to do it and I, I, I do definitely consciously make decisions now on how, how it looks with, with the artwork we've gone for with the single and Wilkie over at uh, Malevolence that did our most recent line on the label he really killed it as well because he sort of stuck with our style which was really really mm. important to us that we didn't lose any identity with the merch and we're still hands on with it and give him a bit of guidance on how, how we wanted it. And I think we've got to keep that up now really, because it's definitely paying off. I think people like, like you said, you'll recognize the logo and you'll see, if, you know, if you see a t-shirt, you can probably tell it's a guilt trip one before. You, yeah. Before you, your eyes have quite focused on it just be like the logo placement and the way everything looks on it which is exactly what we're going for um we've just got to keep it up and not not drop the ball i think and it's hard because as much as you want to like not change it you kind of have to sometimes and then there comes a risk there comes yeah. a risk with that and if we choose this album art to be something like really basic like a a line on a blank square with just guilt trip on it and people i think people <laughs> will actually kick off at us for it i think i think <laughs> yeah. like the fans now kind of have a saying in stuff where we feel like we've got a bit of a duty to not let them down now rather than mm. where it used to just be like do whatever we want i feel like there is a bit of pressure where we've got a you know, at the end of the day, they're the ones buying merch and coming paying to see us on tour and making it possible. We've got a, obviously we we still want to play the music that we love, but we do owe them to at least sort of fulfil their expectations when it comes to like not cutting corners and making sure everything's yeah. spot on. Yeah, mm. and kind of like on that sort of like i don't want to say like the fan service sort of thing but like i always find it interesting like when bands have kind of gone from like the smaller sort of like 
DIY stuff to doing like a Euro tour to doing a main support tour of someone to doing festivals and stuff like yeah to to get like that how that progression sort of works and obviously the whole kind of like gaining new fans and and maybe gaining fans from areas that you wouldn't thought of of like I guess kind of like a bloodstock where it is a predominantly more kind of like quote unquote traditional yeah. like metal yeah. audience but there was probably a good handful of people that came away from your set thinking oh fuck i'm gonna go yeah check this out yeah. sort of thing so have have you kind of seen that that progression as a band of like how your fan base has, has grown and changed yeah um i'd, I'd say it's like at, at times it's been a very like um i don't know what the word would be but something that sort of skips and jumps sort of randomly every now and again like it, it's not yeah. it's not quite been a really straight line upwards it's been like some flat moments then suddenly you sell a show out where last time you went there's no one there <laughs> yeah. and it's it's been very bumpy um but i think the 2022 was definitely the year where we saw the most growth um and it, i think it was just we we booked I think we just did everything perfectly in in like just got really lucky with how it went. Like we booked, we were supposed to be doing a European tour in twenty twenty one, maybe. You know, like where everyone thought the pandemic was going to end. Yeah, um, yeah. And I said, "Yo, don't announce it," because we we wanted to not announce it, and then because if it wanted to be rescheduled, I think people were getting bored of rescheduled stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So I said, book it, let's book it for April 2022. And all these like tours that are being scheduled for the for the end of 2021 and the very early 22, then they're probably not going to happen. So if we just give ourselves a bit of leeway. And at that time, it was like a year in advance. We were like, surely by then it'll be good. Yeah. And luckily, like everything got lifted throughout Europe about eight weeks before properly. So we announced it then six weeks before the tour and we was like, boom, we're coming. Hardly any warning. And we, we were like one of the first bands out there. And I think we just struck gold with like everyone that wanted to go to shows came to the guilt trip one because it was actually happening and it weren't like a rescheduled yeah. one or it weren't like limited capacity or it weren't ages away. It was literally a few weeks away. So all the shows were like booming. And I think even loads of people came that didn't know Guilt Trip. They were just wanting to get to a show. And I think that just yeah, sort of yeah. like pushed us up a few a few levels to where people saw the, the footage then and was like, oh shit, this they've just gone Europe. And like a lot of people went and we had a really good time. And I think that set us up then to sort of, it, it it sort of give give people the idea that we were probably bigger than we were at the time maybe if if it <laughs> yeah. like i think that's what actually happened and then since that people have just started coming out more and more and i think it just spread spread the word really well across europe and the uk mm. shows sold out and it just went really well and then we got the stray from the stray from the path tour off of right after which fit perfectly to like you said about getting the main support slot and yeah that was massive for us so it's everything's just fell perfectly last year and i think 
it set us up with a lot of pressure though now for this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then again, like just to, to sort of reel things back a little bit, obviously if we're going back to kind of the very sort of early days yeah. of things and like as you say, like you're you're existing in this this Manchester hardcore scene, which like I'm trying to place time frame. I'm thinking like broken teeth are maybe still there. Yeah, probably like 20, 20, 2014 up until like twenty eighteen. Yeah, really, yeah. Was... Yeah. So obviously this there's and, and Manchester's always been a home for for hardcore yeah. sort of thing. So obviously, like you're you're coming in as a new band and starting afresh and things, and like for for me personally, like my introduction to you guys was off the back of River of Lies, like that was where my my jumping in point was. But f- was there for you guys? Was there like a turning point when you weren't like just the local Manchester bands? Like you were sort of starting to to see things going further afield. Can you remember a time when, when that Yeah, changed? yeah, it was it was probably um the first Europe tour we did two thousand and seventeen. We did it with um Easy Money from yeah. uh, Arizona and basically our manager at the time discovered them and she was there like when they they sort of blew up overnight, Easy Money at the time and they wanted us to do the tour with them, so we went and did it. A couple of the shows were ropey, and then there were there were some that were insane. And then we that's when we saw that we were like starting to sell merch and stuff, and it was our first mm. time in Europe. And then off the back of that, we were getting like a couple of European festival offers. Like we did like Super Bowl of Hardcore, Epa Fest, a <clears throat> um, couple of others, and then we we saw people in like the t-shirts we'd sold on the tour and stuff. And we're like, Oh, you know, we're, we're becoming a bit of like a European name rather than a UK, UK mm. name. And, um, I think that was the turning point, just getting on them bigger fests, like Epa fest. And, um, a lot of people from the UK were there when we played that for the first time in 2017 mm. and turned up for us. And we played the main stage and they just sort of set it off and, like you say, if you can sort of make yourself look like something, it, it can work. So maybe if all our friends weren't there, there might have only been a few people in the pit, but because <laughs> yeah. a lot of our friends were going that fest anyway, it made it look better. And I think then people see that and they want to jump in the pit or stage dive. It's kind of yeah. like a snowball effect, isn't it? And yeah, I think that was a turning point. He professed twenty seventeen, to be honest, and ever since then we've just tried to play as many Euro fests as we can because it's just like mm. we just lo- love doing that. Yeah, mm. and I think like that's quite an interesting thing because I think right now, like UK hardcore is in a very very healthy place. Like there's like f- some amazing bands yeah. coming out, but I remember like there was a period of time probably around that sort of like 2016 to late 2018 where to be a quote-unquote successful UK hardcore band you had to break the euro market because you could you couldn't there wasn't just enough there wasn't enough just in the UK sort of thing so I I guess like kind of now 
are you finding it difficult to balance because obviously there is this booming uk scene but you still obviously want to capture the the euro thing yeah. so it, it, yeah. are you having to spin both plates sort of thing now? yeah it's it's really really sort of like obviously it's a really nice spot to be in but it's frustrating that we get a lot of people and we understand that they really want to watch us in the uk it's like it's been our bread and butter since the start and but we've also got a balance like releasing an album we want to make sure we've not touched the uk for a while if we if we do a release tour yeah. for it and we want because the idea for us now is like we could go and play the uk next month and announce it today and play like venues that we've played already or we could wait get the album out with a tour and try and like push to the next sized venue you know instead of like Mm. a 200 cat we might go for like a 350 400 um and we feel like the only way for us to get there is balancing the amount that we're playing so maybe maybe we'll have to wait for the album to hit the uk which is completely like devastating at the same time because we wanted to we wanted to sort of do like a hometown show at the end of last year. We just didn't have time to plan it. So we feel like we did the outbreak in Manchester, but we've not, we don't feel like we've played a hometown show for over a year now. And and people mm. really want to see us in Manchester. And we've got like friends that want to come. And it's, you know, if you're not involved in the scene, you're probably not going to drive two, three hours to watch a band play, which is pretty normal in the hardcore scene for people to travel up and down the country. <laughs> yeah. But if you just sort of a, on the sidelines it's not something you'd, you'd do really so it, it's a tough one um we're definitely going to play the uk this year we just we just want to make it right and we want to put on like the best show we can in the in the best mm. venues that we can get and try and up it and make sure everyone has an amazing time and also get to europe we do, we're doing some festivals in europe and stuff but Right now, the main focus, I suppose, is getting the album recorded and making sure it's spot on. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, you kind of mentioned there, like you were potentially looking to do like a hometown show. And again, like one of the things that I, I asked you in advance was some, again, about the influences and things. And obviously, with Rain City as well being the concept around it, but like, being a Manchester band is something that you guys are very sort of proud of and wear, yeah. wear on your sleeve sort of thing. So I don't know, like, why why did you kind of, like, want to have that identity of, like, not just being, like, a UK hardcore band, but being a Manchester band and having that identity? Um, <clears throat> I think it just comes from sort of where our families are from and, like, the working class side of it. And it's... Manchester's obviously starting to mean more and more to people now. We like the Manchester Bee and stuff, and the Manchester Bee's been around for ages. But ever since like the um, the catastrophe at MEN and stuff, it's like mm. it's just took on like a whole new meaning for people and stuff. And that's why we have it on like the back of our caps. Um, yeah, we try and put it on the back of most of the caps we do, and just. As well, like so many legendary bands um, have come from Manchester and 
they've always sort of wore it on the sleeves as well. Like Oasis, everyone knows from Manchester, you know, they, they're obsessed with like football, working class stuff. And they sort of like the, even the down to the claws they were like, you can, mm. you can relate it to Manchester and, and being city fans. Like it's all, it all, I think it's just like one big community here. And we feel like yeah. if we are going to ride the flag for Manchester, we've got, we've, you know, we've got to do it properly and we've got to make sure we're putting Manchester hardcore on the map. But, but at the same time, it's, it's so hard for us to sort of book a, a local show here, which is <laughs> yeah. stupid. I think we're just going to start booking shows for other bands now and just try and build the scene up here a little bit and try and get bands to come through when they do tour, <clears throat> you know, like smaller bands mm. that may not get picked up for a show here and they might end up just like, I'm seeing a lot now, they'll come to the UK and they'll play like one or two gigs. One will be like London and one will be like a Birmingham or Leeds, usually like yeah. Leeds and London. And I suppose we do owe it to the scene now to for us to like really give back in the next few years. And we're going to mm. try and put some shows on and stuff, not necessarily with guilt trip on, but just give give some other bands a platform because it's, I don't see yeah. that many gigs going on here, hardcore gigs. There's a few, but not many tours are coming through here. So if we can sort of work we obviously we've got connections with like booking agents we've been on and stuff. We might be able to get get a couple of packages come through here and try and give back a little bit, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um but obviously like you've you've mentioned it briefly, but a hometown show that you did do was obviously Outbreak and I think like that was just absolutely insane. Like the whole weekend was just I was very overwhelmed, yeah. I'm not going to lie. But how was that for you guys? Because obviously like, you essentially opened the whole fucking weekend. Sort of thing. So how was it for you? It was a complete disaster, mate. <laughs> I'm going to have to be completely honest with you. Um, it, it weren't really anyone's fault. Um, I think we were like, we felt like the guinea pigs, like you said, we were like the first band of, of the full thing. And um, yeah. basically it was wild because when, when we got there, we were like hearing this rumor about like, you need a, you need this wristband to be able to mosh and stuff. And we was like, what's yeah, going yeah. on here? Obviously it's an internet, internet, like just rubbish. And anyway, so we're like, we get set up, blah, blah, blah. We're on like half an hour after doors. Anyway, because this thing was true, you know, it was obviously just like a waiver for people that had to sign. So they, you know, people needed to understand that they were getting themselves into like a, you know, a position where they might get yeah, hurt. Yeah. So it was true. You did need this band to get into like the front section of, of the festival, like the, the front barrier. And uh, so people didn't know. So we were like, we were playing and no one could like get to the front section of, 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 of the venue so oh, like we had obviously it's like a no barrier show so there's no barrier but then there was a barrier halfway through the room to stop like waves of people falling and stuff yeah 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 so everyone was stood behind the barrier in the middle of the room <laughs> and the security guards oh, were like no. turning people away and we were like what is going on like what like what what's actually happened there and uh 
you know, I think it was just one of them things where maybe doors should have been a bit earlier and people had time to sort of fill these things in and stuff. But yeah, yeah, you know, we we took it with a pinch of salt and like just sort of like whatever didn't didn't take it too seriously and just had a good time and people came and bought loads of merch so we knew it weren't one of them things where people literally didn't want to come and watch us from like we weren't that bad um we were gutted but these things happen don't they and it is what it is we went and played hellfest like the day after so we, we we still had something to look forward to to pick us up a bit so yeah yeah we were gutted but oh well <laughs> <laughs> that's cool um and just to kind of come back on on like the manchester thing and, and rain city obviously you said like that was kind of like your sort of like i guess lockdown project yeah as a band sort of thing um and obviously like as you say it wasn't necessarily like marketed or sold as a yeah. as a concept album but but the the general theme of it was kind of like being from manchester the feeling of of being from manchester and like your sort of love of the city and, and yeah. things like that do you now think like i guess because that message has kind of almost been told retrospectively yeah. that people have now kind of like gone oh okay like, and it, it's kind of clicked with i, it I think a little bit um because people do ask about it and um it's called rain city because that's manchester's nickname and so many people Mm. didn't know that and we didn't realize that like that wasn't like a a non thing in this country really um yeah and then there's actually a rain city in canada it's actually called rain city and we we played Canada this year and a lot of, a lot of <laughs> last year sorry and a lot of people thought it was like to do with that and we were like oh, this this right, just couldn't okay. have gone any worse really this <laughs> I think people are slowly getting it but we've kind of put it behind us now where we think maybe in a few years it might hold more of a place in our arts we're still we're still proud of it but it might it might be like one of them things we look back on and think actually like we did we did get what we wanted it might take a few years for it to happen but not really thought about it much like that like you say um we've definitely had to explain to a few people about it like even when when i was speaking to you through jasmine on email like um I explained that it was a a concept EP, and the fact that I have to say that just means that we we screwed it up a little bit because it should it, like it should be mm. obvious, like we should have yeah, marketed yeah. it as that. Um, I I don't we didn't forget it was just one of them things we didn't think about. We were just like we thought it'd be obvious with the name Rain City, but then we realised people didn't know what Rain City meant. Um, did you know that Rain City was for Manchester? No, there no, you go. I didn't, exactly. I didn't so it's yeah, we, we dropped the ball with that one, but I still like them. But I guess I, I'm I'm a yeah, southerner though, yeah. so I'm not gonna. Know. I, I don't know, but it's like <laughs> oh, what what a bunch of idiots. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. I mean, like like Sheffield's like Steel City, isn't it? Like like it, yeah, we yeah. thought I held 
that much importance. Like we thought people actually knew about it and then they just didn't. But oh well. They might want yeah. No, that's that's fair. Yeah. Um but the again, the other thing that one of the things I asked is and you mentioned kind of like during lockdown, a thing that you kind of like I guess brought you guys not closer together because obviously you've been close, but like I guess kind of kept you as a a unit was that you guys were yeah. gaming quite a lot during lockdown and stuff. So what was the kind of guilt trip game? Call of, of Duty twenty four seven. Uh yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were absolutely pummeling it, playing like clan matches, MLG clan matches, tournaments. We were doing like ones that were for prize money. We were we were just absolutely hammering it. Um it was very unhealthy to be fair. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It, it, when I look back at lockdown, that's all I think of is just Call of Duty and delivering, delivering shopping when I was working. That's all it were. And sun, I can't. Yeah, it, it yeah. went so fast because of that. I think, and we, I suppose, people needed a routine, and that was yeah. our routine. Just jump on Call of Duty. Uh, we got good at it, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, we did get good at it. But um, that it were three of us that were playing that. Um, sometimes we'd all jump on. We'd all we'd all get on. Like we all do play, just not always together. Yeah. But I'll I'll probably play a few games with the lads later on tonight. A uh, bit bit of Warzone. Yeah. Do you play? Do you play anything? Yeah. Uh, not really no. like online. Like I'm more of a, solo uh, like a solo player. Yeah. player. So, so, so that, so that That's was like the other generation. My, yeah, but like my routine was kind of very like my lockdown routine yeah. was very similar. So I got, I ended up getting a job, um, at like a Tesco. I was delivering house. for Tesco. So, <laughs> yeah. So I was where I was working nights. Would wake up like, like one two o'clock in the afternoon. And the game that I'd I'd got was Ghost of Sh- I can never say it, yeah, Ghost yeah, of yeah. Shima. And I was just I just blasted that and that was It that looked was really good that like, game. I, ne- yeah. I never got it. Was it an was it a Naughty Dog game that Yeah. It I looked really cool. It was like the, the yeah. sort of samurai one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was it was fucking sick. So but yeah. I so like while I'm playing it, my, my brother and sister in law kindly got me the the latest oh, yeah. God of War game for for Christmas, so I'm currently You're definitely a solo player game gamer, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I used to love <laughs> yeah. stuff like that, like Uncharted and uh, like Metal Gear Solid and stuff. But I don't yeah, know. I just yeah. I think the online part of it, just the competitiveness, took over rather than like the like you probably game for um like to wind down and have a good time. Whereas, yeah, whereas we exactly, get on yeah. to like let anger out and just like shoot people <laughs> yeah. and just have a competition. It's like the two different sides of it. Yeah, most definitely. But no, that's cool. It's cool that you you've kind of carried it on. As yeah, well. we still You're have still a game here and there. Yeah, things. Yeah, cool. Um, just before I kind of round things off, obviously we'll get to like where we are now with Guilt Trip. Obviously, new single out, but obviously now the relationship with malevolated music and, and stuff like that. And obviously the the relationship between you and malevolence is, is there yeah. for all to see. Like obviously you've toured together, like you're very kind of 
close friends in yeah. general and things like that. But what was the the decision to kind of go down the the line of of releasing it through their um, we 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 were actually going to do it with Rain City at one point. It was very, it was something we were very close to doing. We'd both spoke about it, both parties. And we decided to sort of self-release it. And I think it was due to the fact that it was a concept EP and it was just mm. a lockdown thing and a Manchester thing. We wanted to keep it like really close to us. And I think at the same time, we didn't want to release a concept EP is our first thing with them. And then, and then people think yeah. like, Oh, they've, they've changed completely and gone with this label. And like, I think it was just one of them things that wouldn't have worked. And we, we, I think we got it right with that decision. And then we agreed yeah. long before sort of the album was almost complete that we, we were going to do the album with them instead. Um, it was definitely an easy decision just because they've been a DIY band for so many years, longer than us. And they, they know the mm. ins and outs of it all. Um, and like you say, we've been been really close with them guys now since probably 2017-ish. I think we've, our first yeah. gig with them was 2017. Um, and ever since then, we've just sort of like slowly built up a, a good friendship with them that's not been forced and it's been <clears throat> like very natural yeah. um so when we came to like discussing it with them it was really easy and i think we, we did it at a gig we did it at a festival like we i think charlie was <laughs> selling merch because he's in desolated as well um desolated were playing so charlie from Malevolence, who's also in Desso, was selling their merch and I was selling Guilt Chip merch and we just shook hands there saying like, yeah, that, <laughs> that's the deal. Let's just do it. And, and we just did it. Um, yeah. And then obviously they've let us keep like full control of everything that we do pretty much. And they've just been adding adding good, good stuff to it. Like Wilkie's brought in new merch designs and then if we ever need any help, with direction they'll be there for us and we've got access yeah. to like the the little um spot in Sheffield if we need to like do any demo in or practice in and stuff. Oh, so that's cool. they're sort of like our big brothers really and I suppose they're just yeah. trying to make sure that we're looked after and don't get eaten up by by everything really. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um and then in terms of like the new record like how how far are we along is it is it recorded or are you still um, tracking we've, we've, like at the minute we're looking at having it recorded and finished by march um we're, we're quite well into it but we just don't want that like honeymoon period to wear off where like we'll you know like you'll finish a track and like you think it's the best one you've written but then soon soon comes you think like oh actually it weren't that great it was just because it was a new cool riff that we had and yeah you yeah. want to make sure we, we give it enough time to where we can look back and think right that needs fixing or you listen to it and think like why did that not come after that or like we've had that a lot in the past where 
as soon as we've got something finalised a couple of weeks later after having it mastered, we kind of think, oh, I wish we could go back just for one more day at the studio to just yeah. really polish this off. And we we have done that before and booked another day in and had to like, have it remastered and stuff. And we just don't want to have to do that and don't want to be going back on ourselves. We want to just make sure. But we, we, we're quite well into it now. Um, and there's some really exciting guest spots on it. Um, really exciting for us, and we'll we'll have a new we'll have another single out pretty soon. That's already we, that we recorded with her in your life away, so that's that's ready to go. That one. So we've yeah. we've got something that's to like cool. drip feed in while we while we do it. Yeah, that's perfect. Cool. Um, and then just in terms of like the rest of the year, is there anything else that you can share with us that you've got planned, or is it all still kind of? In motion, uh, yeah, yeah, it's all still kind of like with, you know what it's like with with anything you can't like disclose everything, but um, <laughs> basically yeah. we want to we're going to get this record out definitely. Um, we're hoping we're hoping we'll probably release the artwork as soon as we finish recording with the name and everything, and get yeah. people sort of excited for it, and then. festival seasons coming around after that and then there'll be some touring to do um i suppose i can i can tell you one thing that isn't happening that was going to happen that didn't get else we were supposed to be in australia in march um it fell oh, through no. so at least i can announce something <laughs> he just thought it's not happening i had a guy message us the other you need to come to Australia. I was like, yeah, we was, um, but it's not happening. But we're, we're trying to get that <laughs> rescheduled re- now. But that, that was a tough cool. day that, that we found out. I was I was gutted, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. That's cool. Um, Jack, thank you very much for your time. How I like to, to round things off is I always ask my guests um, what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So what's your favourite Guilt Trip song that you like to play live? Oh, right. Favourite Guilt Trip song to play live would be... It's got to be Thin Ice just because it's our, It's just the crowd yeah. pleaser. It's just it's just yeah, the one. Yeah, um, yeah it's got... I can't lie, it's got to be... It's, it's really easy to play, like... It's not that... It's quite fun to play on guitar, but it's more the the crowd reaction that's just the buzz from it yeah 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 perfect brilliant well jack thank you very much for your time really, no really problem appreciate it. i'm i'm super stoked to hear the rest of the record when it comes out um and yeah hopefully we'll see you touring around the uk at some point in the of course thanks very much for having me have a good no evening take see care, man. bye So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Jack for taking some time out of his evening to have a little chat with me. As always, you keep up to date with what Guilt Trip are doing on all their various social media platforms. Um, as they said, as Jack said, there's going to be some new material coming out in the near future. Um, so keep an eye out on that. And they've got, I'm sure we're going to be seeing them doing bits around the UK hopefully soon. Um, whether that's a tour or just festivals and stuff like that, it's going to be very, very exciting year for for them. Um, 
I'm going to leave it at that. As always, we have another cracking guest coming up for next week. We're going to, as I said, going to keep this rolling. I'm going to try and keep this momentum going and energy going. God, I sound cheesy, but give a fuck. It's my show. Um, but as always, thank you for stopping by and checking out the Justin Insight podcast, whether this is the first time you're listening or the 230th time. It really, really is appreciated. Um, yeah. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you soon. Bye.